Greater God. Let's please be seated. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Well, um, I want to start once again by saying a big thank you to Bishop Linus and his wonderful wife for the privilege afforded me to worship with us this morning with everyone else and for us just to have a great time in God's presence. You know, such wonderful people with such a wonderful heart and um, just an atmosphere that you just love to be here, isn't it? Amen. And you guys are blessed having a good pastor. You have a good man, a good man, a good woman in the house. People who love the Lord and who love the flock. Amen. Very faithful, committed, and he's someone I'm proud of. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Amen. Well, um, we began to look at seven important things about prosperity in the first service. And I want us to turn to the same text we took, 3 John chapter 1. Only one chapter in that book. And the second verse, 3 John 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now the word wish here, the margin says, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you're a father and a good father too. Thank you because you want the best for us. You love us so much. Thank you most of all for the great plan of redemption which you planned and sent your son, the Lord Jesus, to consummate. Thank you for your word that brings us a revelation of that plan. Thank you for the great and mighty one, the Holy Spirit, whom you sent to be our teacher and to be our guide. Thank you because he will live big in me today. He'll rise big in me. He will think through my mind. He will speak through my lips. He will act through my deeds. He will unveil, unfold, and reveal the word of God through these lips of clay. Thank you because we won't just be hearers of the word alone, but we'll be doers of the same. We give you praise, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, um, talking about seven important things about prosperity, I'll just do a brief recap of some of the things we said in the first service, and then I'll take it from there. We said, number one, it is God's will for us to prosper. It is God's will for us to prosper. Third John 2, where we read, says, Beloved, I wish or I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. So God wants us to prosper. There's nothing good about poverty. Poverty hasn't helped anybody yet. Poverty hasn't helped anyone to help somebody else yet. Amen. Yes, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Yes, the Bible says covetousness is idolatry. So God doesn't want us to love money. God doesn't want us to be covetous. He doesn't want us to be materialistic. He doesn't want us to be money-minded. But listen, he wants us to have money. It's not money that's evil. It's the love of it. There are some people who are poor and they love money. Yes. So it's not a function of having or not having. And... Um, that fact that it's God's will for us to prosper, we need to get it into our spirits. Uh, all kinds of things that people we've heard growing up, people have said, you know, I don't want any of these world's goods. People will talk about their pastor, will say, oh God, you keep him humble and we'll keep him poor, you know. Such 
evil mindsets, devilish mindsets. Listen, not being able to eat three square meals a day, is that God's will? Not being able to pay house rent, is that God's will? What's godly about that? Not being able to, to uh, uh, live well, how can that be good? It can't be. So God doesn't want money to have us, but he wants us to have money. And why? For the furtherance of the gospel. That's the primary purpose. For the furtherance of the gospel. We'll get to that in a bit. So it's God's will that we prosper. We saw from Matthew 6.33, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The Bible says, And all these things shall be added unto you. It doesn't say they shall be taken away. In 2 Corinthians 8.9, We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor that we through his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, so that you having always all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. Psalm 84 verse 11 The Lord is a sun and a shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing shall he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Job 36.11 If they will obey and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity, and their years in pleasures. Isaiah 119, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Psalm 1, from verse 1 to 3, blessed is the man. Notice, it doesn't say cursed. It said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Joshua 1.8 This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. It says, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Amen. God wants us prosperous. He wants us successful. You know, sometimes people have this idea that, well, when we get, it's all about heaven. It's all about the sweet by and by. Don't live for the now, live for eternity. And yes, that's true. But listen, you can be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. Yes, some people are so earthly minded they are no heavenly good. But the converse is also true. In 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, the Bible says, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. It says, so bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Thank God for the sweet by and by. Yes, godliness pays off for, it, for that time. But listen, it's also profitable for the now. Living for God is not detrimental to a successful life. Living for God is not detrimental to being successful, to being prosperous. So it's God's will that we prosper. We need to get that firmly established in our spirits and renew our minds to that truth. Well, the second thing we said is this. There are qualifications for walking in prosperity. There are qualifications. In Colossians 1 verse 12, the Bible says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So God the Father has qualified us. That's the way another translation puts it. Qualified us 
to be partakers of the inheritance. Amen. So you see, there's a Godward side, but there's also a manward side. God has made us able to partake of that inheritance. But we, there's the part that we also need to play. We said when it comes to qualifications for prosperity, what are they? Number one, esteem earthly things lightly. Esteem earthly things lightly. Don't put money first. Don't put the good life first. Put God first. Put the word of God first. Put spiritual things first. Put serving God first. We saw in Hebrews 11, 24 to 26, where the Bible says, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. So we mustn't put money first, we must put God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. Esteemately things lightly. Then we said, if we're going to prosper, we must be willing and obedient. Isaiah 119, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Be willing and obedient to do the word of God. Amen. Which is his will in a general sense. But also, God has a specific plan for each of our lives. And we need to be willing and obedient to do whatever it is God has told us to do. All of God's word, all of God's will. We need to be willing and obedient. Praise God. Then we said number three, we need to renew our minds about prosperity. We need to renew our minds. He wants us to prosper. We need to get our minds renewed to that truth. See, your thinking affects and determines your believing. Your believing determines your speaking and your words dominate you. If you think wrong, you're going to believe wrong. And if you believe wrong, you're going to speak wrong. And you're going to have what's wrong. So we need to change our thinking. God wants us rich. I didn't say he wants us to be millionaires. I didn't say he wants us to be billionaires. But he wants us rich. What's rich? Rich means a full supply. Rich means abundant provision. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Psalm 23 verse 1 The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So we need to renew our minds in that area. Praise God. So those are the qualifications. That was the second thing we talked about. We need to qualify ourselves. There are qualifications for walking in prosperity and we need to play our part and qualify so that we can partake of this inheritance that God has made available for us. Then the third thing we said, we have authority in the area of finances and we need to exercise it. We have authority in the area of finances and we need to exercise it. We saw from Genesis 1, 26 to 28, as well as Psalm 8, verses 4 and 5, how God made his man Adam, gave him dominion over all the works of his hands. We saw from uh, uh, Psalm 50, verses 10 and 12, the cattle on a thousand hills belong to God. Haggai 2, 8, the gold and the silver belong to him. Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. See, there is enough wealth on this earth to go round. There is. Who did God put the wealth here for? The devil and his children? No. He put it here for his man, Adam. Adam committed high treason. He disobeyed God. When God told him not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he ate of it. And when he did, he got separated from God. 
He bowed the knee to God's arch enemy, to the devil. And then Satan became the god of this world and began his reign of tyranny over the human race. So you see there's a spiritual intelligence that's trying to keep you broke. He's the god of this world. He knows if you have money, you're going to give it towards the work of God. You're going to give it towards getting the lost saved. And he doesn't want that to happen. So he wants you broke. We must never forget that. He knows you have money, you're going to look good. And that's going to make God look good. He doesn't want God looking good. He knows you're going to give to the poor. He doesn't want you to. Because he's mean. That dude is just mean. He's a bad dude. The devil is a bad devil. God is a good God. There's no goodness in the devil. There's no badness in God. God is altogether good. And the devil is altogether bad. Amen. He's the devil. The evil one. He's God. The good one. He's good. He's good. He's good. So we've got authority. Jesus, the second Adam, came and defeated the devil. He brought him to naught. He stripped him of that authority. And he delegated it to the church and told us, go therefore, in my name, exercise authority over the devil. So we said this, that claim whatever it is you need or want. Tell the devil to take his hands off of it and then say, go ministering spirits and cost the money to come or whatever it is. Cause it to come. We saw from Hebrews 1.14 and Psalm 103 verse 20 where the Bible says the angels excel in strength. They hearken to the voice of God's word. So we are to give voice to God's word. They are sent to minister for us. So exercise your authority. Now don't start from something big. Start from something small. And then grow. Because faith grows. See faith works the same in every realm. We've got authority in the area of finances. And we need to use it. We need to use it. Praise God. And then the fourth point we made in the first service is that we are to speak consistently faith-filled words about our finances. Continually speak faith-filled words about your finances. You see, in Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. You see, whosoever can have whatsoever. Whosoever can have whatsoever. If you talk about the lack of finances, it will stop the money from coming in. If you talk sickness, it will develop sickness in your system. If you talk poverty, you will have an abundance of it. Are you listening to me? Proverbs 6.2, the Bible says, Thou art snared by thy words. Thou art taken, taken captive by the words of your mouth. You said you couldn't do it. The moment you said it, you were whipped. You said you didn't have faith. And that instance, doubt rose up like a giant and bound you. You talked failure and failure held you in bondage. Our words rule us. Our words dominate us. Romans 10.10 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Every single thing in that salvation package, confession is made unto it. You see, there is prosperity in our redemption. There is prosperity in it. The basis of our prosperity is the finished work of redemption. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. The Bible says, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, 
that we through his poverty might become rich. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spiritual faith. Now I've heard some people say that there isn't prosperity in redemption, that the blessing is on the earth. You just walk the earth. It's about working. Yes, we're going to get to uh, that. We're going to talk about that. God will bless the work of our hands, no doubt. But remember the children of Israel. God told them that I gave you vineyards that you did not plant. I gave you houses that they did not build. It wasn't their work. Yes, God told them to work. God blessed the work of their hands. But you see, there's such a thing as God's blessing. If they could have material and financial prosperity in the Old Testament, in a covenant not nearly as good as ours, is it us who shouldn't have it? Then we ought to have just stayed in the Old Covenant then. Then it means that the blood of animals, what it brought was better. And what it did and what it gave was better than what the blood of Jesus did. Well, that's a big fat lie. There is prosperity in redemption. It's part of the finished work of redemption. Now, it's not about prosperity. We can't put prosperity first. The most important thing is our spiritual life. We must never forget that. Jesus didn't come to make us millionaires. No, he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. So it's about the new birth. It's about our spirits being reborn. And then secondly, about us being healthy physically. Because God doesn't want us sick. But also, he doesn't want us poor. He doesn't want us poor. He doesn't want us poor. It's not God's will that we lack. Praise God. So we need to speak faith-filled words about our finances. Rather than saying, well, you know there's no money anywhere. You know the economy is dry now. You know there's depression there. Yeah, there may be depression, but I'm not partaking of it. I'm not walking in it. Amen. My father is El Shaddai. He's not El Chipo. Neither is he El Broko. Amen. He's El Shaddai. He's the God who's more than enough. And he's my daddy. If you're born again, he's your daddy too. Psalm 105 verse 37 says he brought them forth with silver and with gold. It says, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. See, God wants us prosperous. So you've got to learn to talk that way. You've got to learn to talk that way. See, faith calls the things that be not as though they were. So you have to start speaking abundance in the face of lack. And you wake up, you say, thank God, he supplies all my need. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God gives seed to me a sower. He gives bread to me an eater. He multiplies the seeds that I sow. He increases the fruits of my righteousness. He increases my ability to be generous. He makes all grace abound towards me. I have in always all sufficiency in all things. I abound unto every good work. I give so it's given to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Men giving in my bosom. You see, I sow bountifully, therefore I reap bountifully. That's what to say. Some people curse their harvest. Yes, they are giving, but with their mouths, they are cursing the harvest. They are always speaking lack. They are always speaking what they don't have, what they can't have, what they won't have. Listen, Psalm 5 verse 12. The Bible says, So thou, O Lord, will bless the righteous. says, With favor shall thou compass him as with a shield. I'm the favored of the Lord. I'm the favored of the Lord. Someone said favor is not fair. Yeah, that's why it's favor. I'm the favored of the Lord. Yeah, favor is not an excuse for mediocrity. Yeah, we should be excellent. But you see, we also have the favor of God. 
So that's how to talk. That's how to talk. That's how to talk. Don't wait until you have money before you start speaking abundance. Start speaking it in the face of lack. Because he shall have whatsoever he saith. Say the same thing about yourself that God says. Remember in Genesis 1, from verse 1 to 3, the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It says the earth was without form and was void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. The spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And what happened? And God said, what did God say? Oh, there's darkness. This darkness, Tico, Michael, Michael, Abe, come here, come here. What did person go do? Hey, darkness, oh, this darkness, so oh, is that what God said? Or God said, you know, the Godhead say, ah, this is dark, this is dark, this is dark. Is that what God said? In the face of darkness, God said, light. In Luke 13, 11 to 18, there was the woman bowed over with the spirit of infirmity. Bowed over. Bowed over. She couldn't lift up herself. When Jesus saw her, what did Jesus say? He said, woman, thou art loosed. But she was bound. Jesus wanted her loosed. So he called her loosed. He called her loosed. And then what happened? She became loosed. You see, God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound uh, uh, the strong, the mighty. Foolish things to confound the wise. And the things that are not. N-O-T. 1 Corinthians 1.28 To bring to not, to bring to nothing the things that are. So, what is the thing that is not prosperity? You use it to bring to nothing the lack that you have. Faith doesn't call the things that be as though they be not. Romans 4.17 Faith calls the things that be not as though they were. Confession is homologio. You see, we are not denying the facts. Jesus didn't say in Mark 11.23 that whosoever shall say there's no mountain. If there's a mountain, there's a mountain. Faith doesn't deny the mountain. But faith denies the mountain the right to continue staying there. Say, so, no, I'm getting rid of you. I'm speaking the word of God to you. I'm getting you out of there. Listen up, mountain. You gotta move. Amen. Praise God. Yes, you may be in lack. You may be in want. But what does the word of God say about it? He says he supplies all your need. So start saying that in the face of the lack. And what's going to happen? You will have what you say. You will have what you say. It will come to pass. Abraham had no child. God said, I have made you a father of many nations. He had been believing that thing for 24 years. It hadn't happened. But within three months of him changing his speaking, his wife took him. Because God knew it's about your words. It's about your words. You see, as believers... Where we miss it primarily is not our believing. We are believers. We have been taught to have faith. We have been taught to believe. Where we miss it primarily is in the same part. Now, some of us miss it in the believing, yes. But most of us, where we miss it is in the same part. What are you saying about your finances? What are you saying? What are you saying? He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, even if you don't believe it, if you will say it long enough, you will start believing it. Because it's going to register on your spirit. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Praise God. So we are to keep speaking the word of God. Speak the word of God. Hebrews 4, 14 says, Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passing to the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Hold fast your confession. 
You see, the devil knows that your continual confession of the word of God is his defeat. So he's going to do his best to steal those words out of your mouth. He's going to tell you it's not working. It can't work. It won't work. Things are tight. The economy is bad. Where will the money come from? There isn't money anywhere. Run out. Run away. Now, if God is telling you to go abroad, obey God. But if he's not, listen, you're just going to get in disobedience. In that land of famine, God told Isaac to sow in that same land. And he prospered. The equivalent of him sowing there, he was a farmer. So he planted. So it's like, walk. Do your work in this land. And he did. And in the same year, he reaped a full harvest. Hundredfold. So you see, don't be led by uh, opportunities. Don't be led by open doors. Don't be led by prospects. Be led by the spirit of God. Amen. Be led by the spirit of God. Praise God. So speak faith-filled words. Speak faith-filled words about your finances. So that was the fourth thing. Now, number five. Now, it's important I said those four first. And that's the foundation. Amen. For what I'm, the, the other three things I'm going to say in this service. So if you weren't in the first service, I brought you up to speed to what those guys heard. Number five. Talking about seven important things about prosperity. Fifth one is this. We are to tithe faithfully and give generously. Are you listening? We are to tithe faithfully and give generously. Now, this tithe business, there are a lot of things uh, that are going around about tithe, not tithe, is in the law, we shouldn't tithe. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. By the way, what's the tithe? It just means a tenth. A tenth. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. The Bible says that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So God is telling us in Hebrews 6 12 that we should be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That's clear, right? Now, what's an example of one of such people that we can follow? Let's read the next verse. Verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So the Bible gives an example. You see, it says, we should be followers of, of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And this man, we're told, he inherited the promise. So we're told to follow him, isn't it? We're told to follow him. We can't follow him. In Romans 4.12, the Bible says we should walk in the steps of faith of our father Abraham. So we have him as an example. Galatians 3.13, it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Then made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the spiritual faith. Galatians 3.7 says those which are of faith... The same are the children of Abraham. Galatians 3, 9. They are blessed with faithful Abraham. So we see Abraham is our father. Galatians 3, 29. says, and if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Abraham is a man whose example of faith we can follow. Actually, we are his seed. We are tied to Abraham by ancestry. That's clear, right? Now we now get to chapter 7 of hebrews and the bible now begins to say something it does some compare and contrast the old testament the new testament 
from verse 1. It says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily, they that are the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law that is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. And I say, uh, uh, and as I may so say, Levi also, who receives tithes, paid tithes in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. Now if you now get to verse 22 and you might read, you may want to read it all down to verse 22. It says, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Now, Jesus is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. In that place, we see here that there was a comparison between the law and faith. Israel as a nation, they tithed under the law to Levi. Abraham, who many years before the law was given, about 430 years before the law, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Now, the Bible says Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Are you listening? So, there is a comparison. Compare and contrast. Compare and contrast. Israel tithed to Levi. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Uh, Israel tithing to Levi was under the law. The church is not under the law today. Abraham tithing to Melchizedek. He did it by faith. And we are told to follow his example. Now, let me tell you why I tithe. I don't tithe out of a slavish duty. I don't. I don't tithe because I'm afraid of the devourer. Fear is not right. I don't tithe out of guilt. No. So that devourer won't get to me. So that, hey, hey, because someone is pursuing me. No. I tithe in faith. I tithe as a matter of honor. If you check in Genesis 14, you read in verse 20 about how Abraham tithed. To Melchizedek, you'll discover that it doesn't look like there was any place where God told him to do it. Check it. He just did it as a matter of honor. Now, people say today that there's nowhere where the church was told to tithe. And I agree. There's no express instruction. I agree. That's true. That's true. That's a fact. That's a fact. Did Jesus refer to tithing? He did. In Matthew 23, 23, he said... 
the title means anise and cumin. He said, but the weightier matters of the law, mercy, justice, and faith, they've left. He said, this they ought to have done and not have left the other also. So Jesus endorsed tithing. He did. But you can say that that was still under the law because the New Testament technically hadn't yet started. That it started after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And you will be correct. And you will be correct. But this is it. Abraham, maybe God told him to do it. Maybe, we don't know. But somehow, he gave a tenth of the spoils. After he was coming from the slaughter of the kings, he gave it to this priest of God, Melchizedek. Just in honor, in worship, in deference to God. And then Melchizedek blessed him for it. Now, Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So Abraham tithed 430 years before the law. Now, we read in Genesis chapter 28, verse 22. When Jacob was going, and then he vowed to God, said, God, if you let me go and come back in peace, I will give you a tenth of everything I have. Now, we are not told he fulfilled that vow. We weren't told. It's not there. But we're also not told he didn't fulfill it. We're not told. Who told him to do that? I don't know. He just felt like, as a matter of honor, I will give a tenth of it to God. So, these people tithed ever before the law came. Now, when the law came, tithing was now regulated by the law. We read in Leviticus 27, verses 30 to 32 in Deuteronomy. There's a whole lot. I took a study, all that the Bible says about tithing, from Old Testament to New Testament. I checked it out. Uh, you know, uh, times when Israel, they are to come, use the tithe to buy stuff, even eat it and all that. So, God regulated tithing in the law. In the law. But let me tell you something. Are we under the law today? We are not. But my question is this. If under the law, they gave 10%, we that we are under grace, should we give less? Should we give less? Should we give less? Somebody says, no, don't talk about tithing. Don't talk about tithing. Let me tell you something. You can't be cursed for supporting God's work. What's the tithe? It's a tenth of your income. It's not like you take a loan in the bank and take a tithe out of it. That's not income. Like you do, some people say, how can I tithe? I do business. I don't know my profit until such and such a time. Whenever you know your profit, a tenth of it, just as a matter of honor, does God expressly demand it? Not necessarily. But if they did a tenth under the law, should we do less under grace? We shouldn't. And the Bible says we should be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. And we see Abraham, our father, he tithed in honor to God, gave the tithe to Melchizedek, and Melchizedek blessed him for it. If he did, don't you think it wouldn't be a sin to tithe? It wouldn't be wrong. It's a matter of honor. Listen, God's plan, God's end time plan today. Somebody asked Kenneth e. Hagin, a blessed memory. He asked him, he said, what is God doing today? And he said this. He said, God is building strong local churches. And he's teaching them the flow in the supernatural. There is the universal church. The unit of the universal church is the local church. The highest authority in the local church is the pastor in that church. Now, what is God's plan? The Bible told the church, Jesus told the church, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So, 
We have a commission from God to evangelize the earth. That's our supreme task on the earth. How is God going to reach the world through the church? What's the unit of the universal church? The local church. How is the local church going to be effective in doing that task? Now, the generator is on. There's a building here. Do you think they just said, hey, we even need building, you know, and everybody just, building just appeared like that. It's money now. Don't you think so? Now, believers are gathered. Their spiritual lives are being fed with God's word. You're able to grow spiritually. People are being nurtured, are being cared for. You want to marry. The pastor will go. He will do, conduct the wedding. You want to bury your father or your grandfather or you want to turn the back of your great-grandmother. You know all those things that people do. Who, who's in charge of that? You see, that's why there's the local church. The local church needs to be supported so that its doors can stay open. Are you listening? Its doors can stay open. There are people that, you know, God said he has ordained, 1 Corinthians 9.14, that those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. The Bible says that the elders who labor in the word and doctrine, they are worthy of double honor. He's talking about the office of the pastor, especially your own pastor. You know what I've discovered? Churches that support their pastor, hmm? that give to their pastor, I've noticed that they are more spiritual. I've noticed that they are more healthy. Just an observation. I've noticed that they are also more prosperous. I'm telling you a fact. Now, your pastor didn't tell me to say this. He didn't even know this was what I was going to talk about. He had no idea. So it's not like we planned it. And look, in case maybe you're a first-timer and you're a little nervous, they're about to take an offering. They're about to take an offering. I'm not about to take an offering. I'm not taking any offering. Amen. But I'm just telling you something. Now, it's a pity that some of us, men of the cloth, we've taken this whole giving, tithing thing and pushed it to stupid extremes. I've been in meetings where people have said things that made me cringe. People have said things that just made me cringe. Yes, giving is scriptural. But we shouldn't manipulate people to get them to give. We shouldn't untwist people. We shouldn't say things that if you don't give in this offering, if you don't give in this offering, this year, yeah, it's going to be bad. If you give in this offering, you won't die this year. It's a lie. You know, I've been in meetings like that. When they start talking like that, I put my money back in my wallet and I kept it there. Mm, I'm a, uh, this gimmick. This manipulation. I'm against manipulation like anybody should be. This giving thing has been pushed to stupid extremes. But you know something? Do we throw the baby away with the dirty bath water? You bathe a baby. The water is dirty. You now say, ah, this water is dirty. Let's throw the water. Let's throw the baby. Let's throw everything away. Because people have gone to one extreme, should we go to the other extreme? No. The Bible teaches giving. Support your local church. The tithe is a tenth of your income. It belongs to your local church. It doesn't belong to the pastor. It belongs to the local church. What is it used for? To keep the doors of the church open. The church needs to continue doing outreaches to reach the lost. There are staff that work that need to be paid. Your pastor needs to be well taken care of. Are you listening? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we need to tithe and tithe faithfully. Tithe faithfully. Now, there are some people in the ministry who are scoundrels. Is that true? Yes. But that doesn't mean everybody is a scoundrel. 
Are you listening? So the tithe is a tenth of your income. Why do you tithe? Why should you tithe? You should tithe just out of honor. I want to see somebody else's life blessed. You see, I don't give primarily because I want to be blessed. I will be blessed for giving. And I expect to be blessed when I give. But my primary reason for giving is not so I can get. In 1 Corinthians 13, 3, the Bible says, Though I give my goods to feed the poor, and I give my body to be burned, and I have not love, it profits me nothing. You can give without loving. It's possible. But you know what? You can't love without giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, somebody can say, I'm committed to my church. I'm committed to my church. One of the ways I can know whether that's true is to check your pocketbook. How faithful are you to give to your church? What priority does the work of God take in your life? So you must put a tenth of your income so that the church can keep its doors open. Now, you know, some people, they won't give to church. But they will come to the service and enjoy the service and sit on the seats that some people gave money so that the church could buy. They will enjoy the microphone that some people gave money so that the church could have. They will say, ah, good word. Say, I like that seat. It ain't comfortable where we're. Comfortable where we're. But a dime of their money is not in it. You see, that is not our nature. We are not suckers. We are sowers. If everybody in this church gives like you do, will there still be a church? If everybody in this church comes to church like you do, will there be a service? If everybody in this church supports this church, volunteers in one department or another, the way you do, will service still be able to hold? It shouldn't be, what can the church do for me? It should be, what can I do for my church? How can I be a blessing to my church? And you know, don't have it from the perspective of, hey, if we do this, then we'll get breakthrough. If we do this, then we'll get breakthrough. It's not about what is in it for me. It's about how can it, what is in it for people so that lives can be blessed. You know, sometimes people talk about good ground. What's the definition of good ground that many people have? The ground that when you give into it, you get good harvest fast. That's a selfish definition. Good ground is the ground that when you give into it, it does a lot of good for people. So that the lost get saved. So that the saints get fed. You should give to a church that puts out revelation knowledge. You should give to a church that supports the lost. That is about missions. That is about getting people blessed. Wait, that is good ground. Because lives are getting changed. That's the essence of it. The greatest fruit of your giving. Hmm? The greatest harvest of your giving is not what comes back to you. It's lives that get blessed as a result of it. But you know what's interesting? That kind of ground, when you give to it, you also get blessed for being a blessing. Do you get my point? So we mustn't have a selfish perspective about tithing. Hey, let me tithe. You know, we've turned God into, into Kalo Kalo machine. You know, we've turned God into money vending. Money vending machine. You know, money doubler, money tripler. You know? That, no, 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 that's not what it is. People have unrealistic expectations. Then when the expectations don't get met, they get mad. No, we tithe out of honor. We tithe in faith. We tithe because you want to see lives blessed. Because you want the doors of the local church to stay open. Are you listening? And when you do, listen, 
God said to them in the Old Testament in Malachi 3, he said, prove me now. If you read from verse 10 to 12, he said, prove me now herewith. The only place where God said we should prove him is in the tithe. He said, and see if I will not open to you the windows of heaven. Remember the last time he opened the windows of heaven? The flood in Noah's time. And pour you out a blessing that you will not have enough room to receive. He said, you'll be so blessed, you'll have to change houses. Because there is too much. You have too many things. Your house can't contain it. You are looking for a bigger one. You are looking for a warehouse. You are looking for a house with a bigger garage. Because the cars are getting too many. Yes. He said prove me now herewith. And see if I will not open to you the windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing. That you will not have enough room to receive. He said I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Now some people take that and say look. Under the New Testament, we're already delivered from the power of darkness. Which one is the one he's saying he rebuked the devourer? Now, don't, don't get so letter of the word conscious that you become stupid. What that is saying is this. You see, they planted. Hmm? There were termites that ate their crops. What God is saying is that the work that you do, I will see to it that uh, things won't come and destroy it. He will bless the work of your hands. He will keep things that could be devourers. You know, there are some things that are devourers. Ah, all of a sudden, the engine of a car just knocks. All of a sudden, one child just gets sick. Things that unexpected expenses that are unneeded at that time. God said he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He said your vine will not cast its fruit before the time of, in the field. He said you will be called a delightsome land. You will be called of all nations. All nations will call you blessed. See, it's one thing when poor people call you blessed. It's another thing when rich people look at you and they say, I have money, oh. When you see that guy, hmm. that guy get dough. That's what God said. That's what God said. Now, why does God want us to have money? Is it so that we can line our pockets and just ride big cars and oppress our neighbor? And when we are coming, you now put on the music and then things boo, 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 boo. boo. You now do noise pollution. That's poverty. I must show them. They must to take. I don't have my. They go no. Who no no go no? Then you now want to go to your village in December, and then you now go and you say yes, yes. I don't eat. That's silly. That's a poor man. He may have money, but he's poor. He's still poor. Poverty has not left his mind. We're not trying to prove a point to anybody. We're trying to see the work of God move on. It's about the lost. It's about the lost. It's about the lost. That's it. Our focus must be right. It's about reaching the lost. It's about the harvest. It's about, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. And let me tell you something. With more money, you can do more ministry. You can do more ministry. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. We can reach more lost people. Don't you, your pastor has a strong heart for missions. Don't you think... He will love for there to be more mission stations opened up north. Don't you think he will love to see more churches planted? But it's going to take people. It's going to take resources. And that's why we are to be generous. So tithe faithfully. Now, some people tithe. But they just tithe just as a duty. Eh? Which take, oh, don't kill my child. You know, take, oh, mm, let's say to this Baba God, oh, before he will be angry. You know, that's not how to tithe. Tithing is worship. You tithe with a confession. 
a Syrian ready to perish was my father. Abraham, you know, you talk about father, thank you for this that you brought to me. I'm taking the first tenth of it. When I have notes, I pick out the best. When I have money coming, before I start spending it, I want to remove the tenth of it. It's a mark of honor. It's, I'm saying, God, you come first. You come first. You come first. You come first. Now, some people have said, look, why should he be saying it's a tithe? We should just give everything. God also said, he that doesn't provide for his own, especially those of his house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. God that did it, that is the tenth. He knew, he knew what he's doing now. You have rent to pay. You have children's school fees to pay. You have food to put on the table. God knows all that. God doesn't want us to be extreme. You know, Jesus said by their traditions, they made the word of God of none effect. That what they should give to honor their parents, they say it's coban. They say it's a gift dedicated to God. He said, don't do that. So, in as much as you want to give to God's work, God is not saying, take your children's school fees and use it as, uh, uh, and give it to building project. Ha! And they chase your children from school. You're being irresponsible. Do you understand? God wants us to be balanced all around. Not that, you know, we're good here, we're bad here. No. And the truth is that we can do everything. Take the tenth. It's a matter of honor. And take it to God and say, God, I want to worship you with this. I just am honoring you. You come first place in my life. It belongs to you. And then make a confession. Father, you said in your word that I should bring my tithes to your storehouse. You said I should prove you herewith. That's what I'm doing. You said you open to me the windows of heaven. You said you pour me blessings that I will not have enough room to receive. Thank you because it is unto me according to your word. You said the devourer will be rebuked for my sake. Thank you because the, the devourer is rebuked for my sake. Speak God's word. Speak God's word. Speak God's word. Speak God's word. If you are just dropping the thing inside offering basket, or you are just doing wire transfer, and your mouth is not involved, and your heart is not involved, you are just doing charity. In fact, maybe it's not even charity. It should be more than that. It's a matter of honor to God. So tithe faithfully. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Proverbs 28.20 A faithful man will abound in blessings. Be faithful to tithe. Tithe faithfully and give generously. Now apart from tithing, there's also the place of giving. You see the liberal soul, Proverbs 11.24 says we'll be made fat. The Bible says there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat but it tends to poverty. There are people in your family that you know who are in need. Be a blessing to them. There are people in your neighborhood you know who are in need. Be a blessing to them. You see, this COVID thing, many people have, have been a mess financially. Are there people you know you can be a blessing to? Give to them. Give to them. Listen, you see, your wife is good ground. Give to her too. Your husband is good ground. Take care of him too. Your children are good ground. Sow into their lives also. Do you understand? God wants us to be generous. A giving spirit. A giving spirit. So you see, I'm not just talking about giving in church. We ought to give in church. But I'm saying, don't be an angel in church and a devil in the house. Yeah. All round. You're just a liberal soul. You're just, I'm not saying... Uh, be stupid about your giving. No. It's out of what you have. But make sure you are generous. 
Genesis 8, 22. The Bible says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer will not cease. Day and night will not cease. It's a law. Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. He says the same measure you meet out will be measured to you again. Now some people have said, hey, read the context. The context is talking about forgiving. The context is talking, my guy, look, let's stop all that thing. There is a law of giving and, and receiving. There is a law of sowing and reaping. What about 2 Corinthians 9 now? Is that our own also about forgiving? No, 2 Corinthians 9 from verse 6. The Bible says, and the context of it, chapter 8, chapter 9, it's talking about material and financial things. It says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Says every man, according as he proposes in his heart. Says, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity. Says, for God loves a cheerful giver, a prompt to do it, happy, hilarious giver. God is a giver. We are his children. We are givers. That's our nature. Now, listen. Hmm? Listen. Don't be, when giving is concerned, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. I'm not talking about do something stupid. I'm not talking about take your children's school fees or take your house rent that is due tomorrow and say you are giving it. I'm not saying do something foolish. Sometimes God may lead you to do something very sacrificial. If God is leading you, fine. Obey God. Then as you obey God, God will bless you for it. But don't do, you know, sometimes people do emotional giving. Emotional giving. And then someone will wind them, wind them, wind them. And you know, some of us preachers, our mouth is sweet. Hey! I know one guy was going for a church service. He dropped his wallet at home. A particular preacher was preaching in that service. He dropped his wallet at home. He dropped his ATM card at home. He dropped everything at home. He said, I know that man. Ah, he said, you will give. If you are not careful, you will put yourself in the offering basket too. He said, we will so talk you. You know, our mouth is sweet, some of us. But you see, all emotional giving just moves emotion. That's all. Don't give emotionally. Give with conviction. Give based on God's word. Be deliberate. Then also, there's this other aspect of giving. Giving to your pastor. Are you listening? Giving to your pastor. God's word tells us, and I want us to open to it. This one, I want you to get it. I want you to get it. I want you to get it. Because I want it to be well with you. I want you to prosper. I want you to increase. Your pastor won't say this. Because he won't want to appear self-seeking. Because he won't want to appear like he's talking it for himself. But I can tell you, I'm a guest speaker. First Timothy 5, verses 17 and 18. The Bible says, let the elders that rule well. Now, when he said elders and he said rule, he's talking about the office of the pastor. Because the oversight of the local church is in the pastor. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Now, in case you think that honor is that you should prostrate for your pastor. That you should bow for your pastor. Yeah, you should respect your pastor. But verse 18 says, For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treaded out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Now you see, oxen eh, used to be used to tread out corn, maize. You know, when you harvest maize, it's in the cob. 
you want to get it from the cob so that in case you want to use it to do pop, use it to do what, whatever. You want to tread it out of the cob that is in. So what they do is that they will get oxen to now walk on the corn. As the oxen walks on the corn and is treading on it, it starts, the weight of the corn is getting the corn from the cob. But he's saying that when that ox is doing it, don't tie his mouth. As he's doing it, he can be hungry also. If he's hungry and he sees some corn, he wants to chop. Let it chop. Are you listening? Take care of your pastor. Take good care of your pastor. I believe you guys are doing it already. But I'm just saying, what about stepping up in that? What about you sisters? You just come. You take his wife. You say, let's just go. Take her a trip to, uh, take her to Dubai. If you, I'm not saying go and borrow money. No, I'm not saying do something extreme. But based on what you have, and there are people who can do some of these things. You know, what if you decide that, Pastor, I will sit you, you drive a new car every year. If you are, you are able to, and you can do it, God won't be angry with you. Your pastor won't be angry with you either. Are you listening to me? Yes. You'll be blessed for it. You'll be blessed for it. Your pastor's birthday his wife's birthday, their wedding anniversary. No, those are opportunities to do good to them. Now, churches usually have boards and people that see to certain things where the pastor is concerned. If you're in any of those groups, don't be stingy. Don't be stingy to the pastor. Say, ah, you shouldn't be getting too much. Now, I know we also want to provide for things honest in the sight of all men. We don't want to do something that makes the pastor look like he's eating and stealing church money. Yes. We want to be fair and equitable. True. But listen, we want to make sure we are generous. See, God said he will honor those who honor him. First Samuel 2.30 One of the ways you honor God is by honoring what God honors. God honors the local church. God honors the office of the pastor. What about you have his account details? You just wire one million. Wire ten million. If you can, why not? Why not? You say, no, me, I'm still a student. I can't do much. Well, start from where you are. You can do 100 naira recharge card. 1,000 naira recharge card. Do it. The amount of calls he makes, the amount of food, of his own food, of his house, that he gives to help church members, that is not budgeted for in church. You, you think he can see you in need and, and he'll be glad? He will go beyond himself. His wife will go beyond herself to cater for the church. So what about having some of these things put in place? Let me tell you something. Eh? If you will take heed to this thing I'm saying, hmm? by December you will thank me. Oh. You will say, ah, we have moved ahead. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Just start where you are. Praise God. And notice in talking about giving, I'm, not, I'm talking about all round. You know, there are people if we're raising an offering in church, they say, want to give to this project, they say, I will put one million. They have one sister who is looking for, who has been looking for 11,000 naira to buy jam form, to complete her jam form, and they haven't done anything. No, that's just eye service. So, yes, we should give in church. We should give at home. We should give at work. We should just be generous. Now, I'm not saying kill yourself because you want to give. And you see, there are also con men. Are you listening? There are con men. There are con artists. There are some people that they just want to milk you. They have hands, but they won't use it to do anything. Mm -mm. 
If you give to those kind of things, you are trying to promote what God wants to kill. You're encouraging their laziness. So I'm not saying, you know, some people now, as you're hearing, they say, hey, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. So after the service, hey, you know, you know, hey, 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 you, you, did you hear that preacher say that we should give to people oh, who are in need? I'm in need though. Hey, it's you that I'm talking to. You too, give. Man is not your source. God is your source. Don't look to men. Look to God. Look to God. God is your source. Don't manipulate people. Don't go. You sight when people are coming. You look at their shoe. You look at their wristwatch. You look at the kind of car they came with. Then you look at the seat where they sat. And then you go. You sit next to them. And then when it's time to pray, you say, oh God, you know my shoe has hole. Eh? Oh God, you know I haven't been able to pay my children's school fees. You are just a thief. Pure and simple. Amen. Now, so we said tithe faithfully and give generously. That's number five. Number six, as I wrap this up, the Bible teaches a strong work ethic. The Bible teaches a strong work ethic. In Ephesians 4.28, the Bible says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, that he may have to give to him that needeth. The Bible teaches a strong work ethic. Read in Ephesians 6 from verse 5 to 8, as well as Colossians 3 from verse 22 to 24. Now, let's say you're, it talks about servants. Obey your masters according to the flesh. That's talking about employer-employee. You are hired to work somewhere. Work resumes at 8. You'll be there at 8.30 or at 9 o'clock. When you get there, it's work you're meant to do. That's when you want to do devotion. We should do devotion. But you should have done your devotion before coming to work. They give you work to do. You are slobby. You are sleep short. You are just a lazy bomb. Lazy, 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 lazy bomb. No food for lazy man. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Look at your neighbor. Say, don't be lazy. Amen. Amen. Your wife is the one feeding you. You are not... Yeah, sometimes there may be a situation. You lost your job. But, you know... At 11 o'clock, you're still warming the bed. 11 o'clock in the morning, you're still changing gear. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Yes, the Bible teaches prosperity. God said he will bless the work of our hands. Deuteronomy 28, 12 to 13. Psalm 1, verse 3. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. If what he doeth is nothing, the nothing shall prosper. Nothing will prosper because he's not giving God anything God can bless. Let me tell you something. Hmm? Get all the education you can get. There's a practical side of prosperity. There's a natural side. Take courses. Get certifications. Go online. Take all you can take. Oh, I've been looking for a job. I've been looking for a job. You haven't gotten a job. Ask yourself a question. What skills do I have? Nature never made a failure. Never. There's something you can do. There's something you can do. Some people, they've been looking for a job, looking for a job, looking for a job, looking for a job. I see some of these people, the way they are about shoes. Ah, I told one the other day, I said, why don't you start selling shoes? They will sell. You have like 50 shoes. Start selling. I'm not saying sell your own. But it's obvious you have a knack for shoes. Some people, if they sew clothes for you, the way they are about sewing, why don't you start doing that? Prayerfully pray. God, what should I do? And God will lead you. There are skills that you have. There are things you can do. 
I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for a job. I haven't gotten a job. They're not giving me a job. I've not seen anybody yet who went somewhere and said, look, I know you don't have a vacancy, but I'm just here to volunteer. Don't pay me anything. I'll just be coming to help. They will first think, is it a joke? You come the first day. The office opens at 8. You're there at 7.30. The office closes at 4. You're there at 5 o'clock. You're working. You work more than the people who are employed. And you are delivering. You are good on the job. A time we come, management will say, eh, this one looks like <laughs> it should be a part of here. So is that we take some of these ones out and put this one, or we add this one. Now, I'm not saying you are doing it to displace other people of their job, but I'm saying there's the place of a strong work ethic. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 9. Paul said, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for labor in night and day, because we will not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached on the gospel to you. So Paul walked. He walked. There were some places he got to where he took salary from some churches. Yeah, he took wages. He told the Corinthian church he took wages from other churches. So there are some places he did that. There are some places where he knew that mm -mm, if I try to take any kind of salary here, this, it will destroy this work. So he had to work in the secular. He was a tent maker. Now, some people say that, what is this idea about full-time ministry? Every preacher should be working. Huh. Do you know the work that preachers do? Do you know? Now, of course, let's say somebody is starting the ministry. And the ministry is not yet where it can support them fully. They may, at that time, need to do something else on the side. But a time comes when the work has grown to the place that you can't face it with something else. Now, if a pastor, there's nothing wrong with a pastor having businesses on the side. Nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is this. Don't be lazy. First Thessalonians 4.11 And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you. That ye also work honestly towards them that are without. That ye may have lack of nothing. Work with your own hands. Second Thessalonians 3 from verse 10 For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any will not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, walking not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they walk and eat their own bread. So the Bible teaches a strong work ethic. Teaches a strong work ethic. Now, I need to wrap this up. Seventh and final thing. We need to manage resources wisely. Manage resources wisely. We need to manage resources wisely. Let me tell you something. It's not everything you see that you must buy. And then, listen, prosperity is in stages. You may not be at the level, at the stage where you can buy certain things now. Wait. Just keep serving God where you are and keep being diligent. God will bless you. And the time will come, you will live there. But when hey, they, are, they are driving Jeep, I must buy Jeep too. Even though you are not at Jeep level yet, you now go and borrow money to buy Jeep. You now start drinking Gary because you want to show somebody that you want them to take. Manage resources wisely. You know, it's not everything you see you must buy. Then, there's nothing wrong with a savings culture. A culture of saving, saving, saving. It's wise. Some of these things, 
They are the reason some people are not prospering. They manage resources poorly. Some people, it's not that God hasn't brought money into their hands, but they squandered it. It's not everything that comes into your hand that is for you to spend now. Some of it is for you to invest. Some of it is for you to save. When Jesus multiplied the five loaves and two fish, do you notice he told them to gather the fragments? That there be nothing wasted. Twelve baskets full. Maybe they gave it to that boy. I don't know. God is not a wasteful God. Don't waste. Stop squandering the resources God has brought your way. Manage wisely. Listen, if we will learn to follow the inward witness, God will make us rich. He will guide us. Not only in spiritual things, even in financial things. God knows the business that we work. He knows the one that won't work. What about praying and asking God? Seeking him for direction. You see, he's the one who teaches us to profit. Isaiah 48, 17. Who leads us by the way we should go. So manage resources wisely. 1 Corinthians 1.30 Jesus is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. There are some families where the man is the better manager of money. Then let him be the one handling money. Some families, it's the woman. Yeah, let's manage resources wisely. There's a place of budgeting. There's a place of planning. Because I'm a faith man doesn't mean I'm a foolish man. Nothing wrong with planning. Nothing wrong with good budgeting. These are good practical skills. Praise God. And you know what? You know this year is going to be different for you. It's going to be different. As we put God's word to practice, we're going to watch things change for us. For the better. Because we go from faith to faith. From glory to glory. And from strength to strength. Every head bowed and I close. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. Amen. Anybody like that? The most important thing is the new birth. Praise God. Anyone, you want to receive Jesus into your heart. Every head bowed and I close. Saying spring, no one looking around. Could you just put up your hand? Anyone like that? Well, it's a believer's meeting today. Let's say it together. This year, I'm prospering. I'm going to put God's word to practice. Concerning my finances. I will prosper. I will prosper. I will apply the word of God. I'm not under the curse. I'm the blessed of the Lord. I trust him for seed. I will tithe faithfully. I will give generously. I'll be diligent with the work of my hands. I'll obey God. Thank you, Father. Amen. You believe that? What about thanking him for it? Praising him for it? Glory to God.